All right, Josh Helmer, off we go. Got to listen to you and Parker go at it there for uh, an hour or so. We got a lot of good stuff happening over the weekend. That was fun. That was a very successful recruiting weekend for OU. And I got a feeling we ain't done yet, right? We still got some uh, We still got some big fish out there on the hook. Let's see if we can get them on the boat. It's kind of what's going on at this point. Um, I think the dart and trig situation, the, the Southern Cow guys, and I guess just listening to Fune there, uh, was there something happening on Twitter, that, or was that just people talking about something that they had sent out? It, something that Jackson Dart had sent out, basically acknowledging the visit that he had taken to Oklahoma. He posted about Ole Miss this weekend. He, he posted a picture of he and Michael Trigg on their Ole Miss visit in front of some vehicle with the caption out like 007, so I don't know. I, I forget what what vehicle it was but clearly it had a 007 tie but he hadn't posted about the OU visit now he has so right well um I maybe I'm missing something but I think posting about a official visit doesn't mean jack squat but admittedly I'm the old man in the room okay I don't know Maybe that does mean something. I just assume that every single one of these guys tweets something out from every single visit they they take. I saw the Purdy kid tweet something out from Nebraska. Are we convinced that he's going to Nebraska now? Well, not necessarily. If Dart comes here, then I think that probably that rules Purdy out from coming to Oklahoma. I would say this on the posting about official visits. It was a little troublesome to me up until well a few minutes ago when dart posted that it's like you kind of connect the dots a little bit when they take an Ole Miss visit and the quarterback posts about the Ole Miss visit but up until recently there wasn't anything posted from the quarterback about the OU visit you kind of scratch your head and say okay well that that's maybe not a good sign but now that there's been a post on both uh we're officially at the stage that you described yeah it now means nothing I think is this like a uh, a poker stare down or something between Purdy and Dart on who's going to make the first move. Is that what's going on? Because aren't they visiting like all of the same spots pretty much? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the old Western movie, standing outside the saloon. Who's gonna Who's gonna win the draw? <laughs> who's committing first? Right. Yeah. Um, good stuff, though, man. Um, I thought it was cool seeing the. The staff and some of the the other guys around helping the the early arrival guys move in. Uh, some of the transfer portal guys, some of the the freshmen early arrivals. That was pretty cool. Um, I don't. Who was it? One of the players posted that was it was it Perry on Winfrey on one of his Twitter heaters over the weekend where he said Lincoln Riley never came anywhere close to his dorm room or something like that. It was Perry on. And really just social media in general this weekend from both Perrion Winfrey and Nick Benito, a little sprinkle in there of Latrell McCutcheon. It got kind of interesting on the old social webs this weekend. It did. Anytime you say something that is, I guess the best way to classify is 
very opinionated and you get some eyeballs from Coach Stoops on your tweet, that is really going to drive the narrative, isn't it? <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, and how about Coach Stoops for quote-tweeting Nick Benito? That was kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was – that was wild. Yeah, the McCutcheon thing was interesting, man. I it wasn't shocking, I guess, to to see that he was going to go in the portal. Um, there had been some beef throughout the the season. It seemed like. I guess I was I was hoping that with the new defensive staff in, that maybe he would uh, maybe settle in a little bit and want to give it a go with the new staff, the new secondary coaches, but I guess not. And honestly, I wonder what I wonder what the conversation was with the new coaches before. Because and I'm not suggesting that this happened, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. There's going to be there's going to be some uh clashing of heads a little bit probably between uh, the new staff and some of the current players on the roster. And I wonder if that had anything to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Or if this is just him having wanted to to get out of OU since midseason whenever he started to look like he was unhappy. Well, and I'm sure you saw the screenshot over the weekend from that, that made the rounds again from his dad that was very critical of the OU defensive coaching staff from this past season. And that left people kind of asking the obvious question, okay, well, if dad's so upset with the defensive coaching staff, is he speaking for Latrell McCutcheon? And if that's the case, then how are you then going to turn visit USC that now has that defensive coaching staff and potentially commit to go join Mario and Caleb Williams and go somewhere that has the coaching staff that apparently you hated so much? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, we'll see where he ends up. I, uh, I, I got zero insight on that one. But it was a, it was a very, very. Uh, I don't know. There was a lot of stuff going down over the weekend, and it was kind of fun to sit back and watch it all unfold. Uh, except for Josh, whenever. Uh, you and I on the show on Friday get quoted as having said something that we did not say, right? right? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. The power of radio. I, I was halfway taken and impressed by it, but at the other side of it, I was disgusted, and I felt so bad that I had in some way, shape, or form damaged your credibility on the deal. I felt like I had to set the record straight that, no, we did not go on air and say that the Ole Miss visit had been canceled by Dart and Trigg. That was not something we said. Right. And I feel like most people understand this. But maybe we need to clarify. If we read something off of the text line, that is not us. When we're taking text messages and, and uh, we read a text that says, rumor is Brent Venables is taking the Las Vegas Raiders job. I, We're not saying it's true. We're not doing anything. That's a text from some who knows who it could be. All right? So we've got to focus in and listen a little bit if we're going to be, uh, you know, attributing comments to – Josh or myself. 
I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Which there was a profuse oh, apology. Great. We won't name any names, but th- I-, I think the guilty party did feel very, very sorry. Right. Well, we've played this game a bunch of times. We will either read a text or, you know, I will say something on air and then we'll get a, a text message, you know, 15, 20 minutes later and someone's like, uh, there's a post on some message board that you said this, this, or this that is totally like, Get all of the facts from the quote totally wrong. <laughs> what's the? It's amazing. What's the game that they have children play where like you whisper telephone, right? And then all of a sudden you get to the the seventh seventh kid in the circle and the message is totally misconstrued. Yes. It's n- nothing like what the original <laughs> message was. That's right. It's great. Uh, I I'm not mad. I just I. I was laughing at that one from Friday. Uh, sometimes, like if it's something that's, if it's something that is really wrong, that is like bad. I, not that I'm worried about getting in trouble, but I don't. I, I'm friends with a lot of guys on the staff. I don't want to be quoted as saying some outlandish stuff that I did not say. You know what I'm saying? And then have to answer question as to. Hey, what, what what are you talking about on the radio? Either that, it's either what are you talking about on the radio or the guys that I know stop talking to me because they think I'm saying stupid, insane things uh, that are not true, right? So, Especially when weird. it quickly turns out over the weekend that, yes, that visit did happen and there is photographic evidence of said visit for Dart and Trigg. No, we were not reporting last week that the visit was not going to happen. We simply read a text. Right. I've got no information on Dart or Trig. I couldn't pick the two guys out of a lineup. Have no idea what the, who they are, what they look like. I know um I know they're they're good football players, that's about it. So no, it was uh there was a lot going on. That's just at OU. We haven't even talked about some of the goings on in the National Football League uh playoffs. Wow. What a weekend. That was that was a lot of fun, and we're not done yet. We got a Monday night game uh, for the first time ever in the playoffs, and, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I hope the Cardinals can I, – I would love to see the Cardinals win. I'd love to see Kyler win. I, I don't want to see him get blown out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's – at least show up and and put something really good out there. Um, and not that I think they're going to get blown out. I actually think it has the potential to be a really good game if they can protect Kyler. If I Hopkins, Josh, is not listed on the injury report, so I guess he's going. And and that's big for them if, if he's going to be out there. So uh, that's good stuff. That's going to be – there's – dude – the star power in the game tonight is pretty serious. Hopkins, I guess, uh, suffered a torn MCL in Week 14, required uh, surgery. Last Wednesday, though, Cliff Kingsbury, I guess, was was saying Hopkins won't be available to return for the wild card game. So, okay, well, if he, you know, 
he may not have a designation because he may be on the uh, the short term IR. But right here on the the injury report for the Cardinals, he's not on there. But that's probably what it is. They probably have not activated him off of there yet. Would be my guess. Which that's gigantic. So, obviously, yeah. I mean, it's not to be a rocket surgeon here, but the. Cardinals not having DeAndre Hopkins tonight is huge. Yeah, because they've struggled mightily without him. Um, you know, you look at – there was a time whenever the Cardinals had the the best record in the NFL and were rolling and looking really good. I don't think anyone felt like they were, they were really going to end that way, but – you know, down the stretch was not good. Losing four out of their last five football games. Um, not that they were they were really blown out in any of them. They were all really close games. But still, you want to go into the playoffs playing well and hot. Not, not, you know, having a long time since you've really had the the feeling of what it's like to to have it going and have some momentum. So, I don't know, man. I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic for Kyler tonight, but, man, the Rams are almost like the worst matchup for him because of how athletic their their pass rushers are. And he's still got the ability to evade those guys, but it's going to make it way more difficult because of the speed and athleticism of that, of that group that they've got. Um, they handled them early in the season, though. What was that? The fourth week of the of the season, they handled them pretty good. But we'll see how it goes tonight. I'm excited about it. Um, I feel sorry for these teams that it's going to be a short week for them, though, starting off the playoffs. But you know, that's that's how it goes. Um, who cares, right? It's Monday night. We'll see you next weekend. Whoever the winner is, but uh, it's going to be good. All right, let's hit a quick opening timeout. We've got plenty of stuff to get into. Make sure you hit us on the text line, 651-3439. Today I'm hanging out Chapel Supply and Equipment. We love this spot up here, 6509 West Reno, 405-495-1722. They've got great deals going on here. They've got a huge inventory. They've got the 3,100 PSI gas pressure washers. They've got the 4,000 PSI uh, gas pressure uh, washers. They've also got um, some new products in, the Silent Run, oilless air compressor. They've got that in here, plus they can service absolutely anything. They can service the stuff that they make, plus any of the other lines out there. Come see us here at Chapel Supply and Equipment. Hour number one of the rush. We are back. He is Teddy Lehman. I'm Josh Helmer. Hey, Hour number one, as always, it's brought to you by the Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers. Check out your local Buick GMC dealer for great purchase and lease deals on the full line of Buicks and GMC trucks. Air Comfort Solutions text line, let's get after it. Keep your submissions coming all afternoon and evening long, 405-651-3439. First text of the day, Teddy, our Dart and Trig Sooners just got on. Can report that no, they are not Sooners just yet, though they're not Rebels either. They did take a visit off to Ole Miss following their Oklahoma visit this weekend, and I guess the the latest news there is that Jackson Dart finally posted pictures from his Oklahoma visit. He hadn't done that until up the uh, up 
up until about, I don't know, 45 minutes or so ago. We do know this, though. Oklahoma has added a pair of transfers in the defensive backfield. Wyoming transfer C.J. Colden, who had 10 pass breakups a year ago. Kanai Walker from Louisville, who really didn't play a bunch. And it's sort of widely suspected that even as early as today, we might get an official announcement that Trey Morrison, uh, defensive back from North Carolina, is transferring to Oklahoma. Which, Teddy, I think we set the over-under at three and a half for the weekend. And if we mix in Jeffrey Johnson, the two-lane defensive tackle transfer, that puts us squarely at the over, even minus Sanders and player who decided uh, on Arkansas and Baylor respect uh, respectively. Right. I I was shocked by the Drew Sanders to Arkansas situation. Now Arkansas's done a really good job recruiting. They've got um, they've got a good staff there. I like what they've done with their defense. Um. I I just didn't I didn't expect I didn't expect Arkansas over Oklahoma, but um, we'll be okay. But that one that was one that I thought was had the potential of being really good. Former five star kid um, adding that defensively. Ah man, that was uh, that was one I was really hoping for. Me too, man. That was disappointing. Uh, doesn't sound necessarily like Makai Wingo is trending toward Oklahoma. I, I don't think there's been an official announcement there. But, man, like the two guys out of everybody not named Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg that I would have loved to have seen come to Oklahoma, great guy in Sanders that potentially can play either linebacker or there was some talk maybe he ends up as an edge-type rusher for OU. That doesn't happen, mm-hmm. and it sounds like Wingo, who, again, was the the all-SEC freshman team member this past season with Missouri, doesn't sound like he's tracking for OU either. But, hey, it, it kind of is what it is, right? They've they've added some, some nice pieces here and probably not totally done out of the transfer portal, though at least with, with those three, it doesn't sound like they're picking OU. Where, where where's the uh, where's the Wingo kid gonna end up? I saw he tweeted something over the weekend. Like even if he doesn't end up at OU, Venables and Bates are two of the realest people he's ever met. I thought that was that was really. I thought that was a pretty good sign. I I guess I'd never know how to take things, but you're you're told that he's leaning towards somewhere else. Yeah, that that's kind of what I'm hearing that maybe maybe LSU is going to wind up perhaps be in the spot. We'll see. Obviously, he likes Coach Vittables and Coach Bates, so I'm not totally ruling out that OU could make a final convincing pitch there, but it kind of is what it is uh, on that front. I, I think the big takeaway for me with Sanders is that, look, Pittman has completely flipped that Arkansas program around and just – Looking at high school classes and some of the the future recruiting class rankings, I start thinking about OU and the SEC West and, you know, what potentially their pod situation, when the SEC move finally comes to fruition, whether that's after next football season or a little bit further down the road. It's looking like the SEC West, it's not getting any easier, man. All of a sudden, Arkansas is a factor in the SEC West. Yeah. 
it's an interesting dynamic, and it's one of those where this is what a lot of people have talked about with the move to the SEC, that life is going to be way more difficult. And it's true. Because outside of Texas, and maybe every now and then an in-state guy to Oklahoma State, we rarely, if ever, compete with our own conference with players or lose uh, recruits to other in-conference opponents, right? Rarely does that happen. Um, I'm sure we could think of some instances, yes, but it just has a different feeling whenever you're losing top-type recruits to in-conference people. Like, we're not in the SEC West yet, but there's a time that we're going to be competing against these guys. So whenever you lose one, to someone that you'll be competing against later makes it a little more impactful. And that's something, like I said, other than Texas, we really haven't dealt with. Yeah, that's true. It's an impressive get for Arkansas. A a lot of people, you probably heard if you were, as you were, you know, driving in, Teddy, that Parker really thought from his sources and the people that he was talking to that with Sanders – the, the likelihood was he was going to pick either OU or Texas. And for it to wind up being Arkansas, I think, was a surprise to Parker and, and a lot of people in the industry. Hmm. I wonder if that is a – because he's a, he's a tweener. You know, he's a big – he's a big kid, you know, 6'5", 200 and – you know, close to 40 pounds, I think. But is he an inside backer? Is he an edge guy? Um, you know, is I know he played offense in high school pretty seriously. Is is he wanting maybe to go back to offense? It's one of those things where, you know, whenever you hear someone's pitch about how they want to use you in their system, I you wonder if that was maybe the difference. And... You know, because I I don't know I don't know how Oklahoma envisioned using him. I hadn't I hadn't talked to anyone about him, but I know he's he's a he's a guy that is able to play multiple spots. So I don't know. Uh, fascinating that he went from Alabama to Arkansas. You don't typically see that, and he was a kid that played uh, a decent amount of football too as a as a redshirt freshman. So. That, that was a that's an interesting move. It's again a, a great sign for Arkansas Razorback fans that their decade of stink is officially over and Pittman's got that thing cooking a little bit. Yeah, but why but why from Alabama to Arkansas? And I I know it's it's a different Arkansas. Like they're they're in a much better spot than they have been previously. They're they showed this year they're close to getting over the hump and starting to be competitive in the West. But we've seen so many guys at Alabama fight through some early periods of not playing as much as maybe you want, waiting your turn, improving, developing, and then as an upperclassman finding your way onto the field, playing great, winning an SEC, competing for a championship, and then 
being a, a a top draft pick. I I wonder why that formula wasn't good enough for Drew Sanders. Or not I guess I shouldn't say not good enough for Drew Sanders, but wonder why he was unwilling to to do that unless they told him to transfer, which I wouldn't imagine that was the case, but I don't know. That's what the Arkansas one has me has me questioning it. If you go to Oklahoma, well, there's a really good chance Oklahoma wins their conference next year and is competitive with an opportunity to play in a college football playoff. I think Arkansas is better, but I don't think you and I are, are ready to say that Arkansas is winning the SEC West, no. then winning the SEC, and then playing in a college football playoff, right? Like They've gotten way better, but they're still a long ways from that. Probably whatever Barry Odom uh, sold him on was was the selling point. Maybe I mean that's what pushed it over the top. I guess somebody texted us and said that at Alabama, per Alabama boards, maybe Alabama wanted Sanders to start thinking about offense and making that move to tight end. So maybe that's why yeah. he wanted out of Alabama. And clearly, whatever it was that Odom at Arkansas sold him was was enough to. Uh, go over the top and convince him that was the spot. Yeah. It sounds like he adamantly wants to play defense, but there's a lot of folks that want him to play offense, which is a good problem to have, right? Whenever you're that athletic, they want you on both sides of the ball. So congratulations to Arkansas. Barry Odom's a good coach. Pittman's done a good job. It's just frustrating. Um could envision him doing some some really good things here. You hate All losing right, a player it, like that to yeah. a rival, Teddy. It is real disappointing. Yep, that's right. I guess it's better than Texas, though, right? All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number one rolls on. Hanging out at Chapel Supply. Hit them online, www.chapelsupply.com. They've got the 3,100 PSI gas pressure washers, only 425. 4,000 PSI gas pressure washers, 1295. Uh, perfect for all the do-it-yourselfers out there. They've got them in stock and ready to work. Uh, you can either call or come by today, 405-495-1722. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers, they've got the best savings of the year going on right about now. They're also bringing you this first hour of The Rush. Josh Elmer, Teddy Lehman, we're back with you right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. This is the home of Sooner fans. We have had an avalanche of texters informing us that, yes, we have seen it. About 15 minutes ago, Chubba Purdy announcing he has committed to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So, do you agree with Peyton and several others via the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439? Is this a positive sign for the Jackson Dart Michael Triggs sweepstakes? Mm, no, I don't believe it is a a negative sign. I remain neutral. Now, yeah, if Purdy would have committed to Oklahoma, then I think that would have been bad. But. Him going to Nebraska and being out of the picture, I don't know necessarily that 
that's going to be an influence because if he was waiting to see where, where Purdy was going to go, wouldn't you like? Wouldn't you just go ahead and commit to Oklahoma if you didn't want someone else to get that spot, right? So I, I think the prevailing consensus would be that Purdy knows that Dart is is coming here. If like you're taking maybe it, he doesn't have that offer anymore or something. Right. Yes. Like they pulled it off the table. That that if you're trying to be positive and connecting the two, I right. I, I like you. I'm gonna <laughs> wait and see on this thing. I don't know that they're necessarily directly connected, but uh, if you want to play the glass half full game, I think that's why people are saying that. Right. Well, um, hmm. How do you think it's gonna go? With the Purdy kid at Nebraska. Now, they did bring in the new offensive coordinator. So, Frost is taking a step back from from the offense a bit. Going to be a CEO-style head football coach. This offensive coordinator just had one heck of a year at Pitt, right? So, uh, throwing the football around quite a bit. It has to make you feel quite a bit better for uh, Purdy with this style of offense going in. So, I don't know. We'll see. I am – maybe I'm a moron because I feel like Nebraska was a a solid football team. But they ended – what were they, like 3-8? and Or 3-9? and A solid football team that just couldn't win, you know? It's crazy. They well, I know it's maybe not saying a whole lot that they played us to the bitter end. So did Tulane, right? But like they were in every single football game this year. Doesn't matter if it was Oklahoma, one score away, uh, at Michigan State. I like back to back. They go at Oklahoma, at Michigan State, and they lose Oklahoma one score, lose by a touchdown, and then. Lose by a field goal in overtime to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan, who ends up making the college football playoff, they lose that game by three. Um, Ohio State, it's you know, 26-17. Ohio State had one of the best offenses in the country. They held them to 26. That's the only um, game that they they lost by more than right, one score nine. is that Ohio State game that they lost yeah. by nine. It had every chance late at home to – try and win that thing or make it close and really gave Ohio State a sweat. I'm with you. It's if you can say this about a team that finished three and nine, that's the best damn three and nine football team we've ever seen. It's crazy. It's 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 just wild. And you know, they lost to the bad teams on their schedule too, okay, but the schedule was really difficult. They played, let's see, six top twenty teams they played five, four, oh, five top 16 teams and one, two, three top 10 teams. It's, it's tough, really tough schedule. But uh, who cares, right? All that anyone's going to remember is they were three and nine. But I do think that their defense is legit. Uh, with some offensive firepower, they could actually win some games. Not going to win the Big Ten. I'm not saying that, but. Um, we'll see what happens. New offensive coordinators start throwing that ball around the yard, 
and uh, maybe they can actually win a game or two. I would still um, favor Casey Thompson over Chubba Purdy to win that starting quarterback job, though uh, now all of a sudden looks like they've got themselves a little quarterback competition coming up in the offseason. That's crazy, and I'm a victim of the portal once again. I had already forgotten that the Thompson kid was at Nebraska. So, yeah, they got a couple of nice options there at quarterback. You you take Thompson, what, because you believe him to be more athletic or what? More experienced? I, because I know more about him, really, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, I've seen him play. I, I saw him throw in – Take this for whatever it's worth. I saw him throw five touchdown passes this last season against Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But that is – that's the most talented quarterback room Nebraska's had in a while. That has to uh, has to make you feel pretty good if you're a Cornhusker fan. Um, I don't know. I'm – I'm excited about what's gone on with the portal so far. Uh, even though we lost the Sanders kid to Arkansas and maybe not going to get the uh, the Wingo kid out of Missouri. And player but... picked Baylor. Yeah, what's the deal with that? He, th- this is uh, what Parker was saying last hour was that I-, I guess he's from Waco or from right around Waco. <laughs> so they sort of had the the home cooking advantage right Jeez. there and hey let's call call this thing what it is they're the de- defending big 12 champions right now it's true that's true and they play great defense um there's no doubt about that but <laughs> i i feel like the easiest recruiting ever is to recruit someone recruit against baylor with someone that's from waco i how, how could anyone ever want to stay in Waco, which I'm sorry, I know there's probably a lot of people from there, but I can't think of a more boring city of that size in the entire nation. Yeah, I, I would look, I would much rather wind up because Arkansas was an option for player as well. And if you give me the options, Waco, Norman, and Fayetteville, I'm definitely not picking Waco. Right. I haven't been to Fayetteville in so long, but everyone says it's awesome up there. And I think it's better now, but there used to be no way to get to Fayetteville. It might as well have been on the moon. You couldn't get there at all, uh, just kind of in the middle of nowhere. But that whole area is blown up quite a bit. I think it's I think it's easier to get to now. But Oh, oh yeah. it, it Man, my... Uh brother and sister-in-law live in Bentonville and that that entire northwest Arkansas area that highway goes around it'll take you to Rogers Bentonville Fayetteville Springdale it's it's a lot like kind of kind of like Edmond almost in a way those four cities all there together and sort of like Oklahoma City yeah yeah, um, whenever I went there in nineteen, the summer of 1999, now, I am coming from eastern Oklahoma, so you have to, like, drive through the Ozarks to get there, and uh, you just, you basically come in on, 
what feels like a barely paved road and it's like boom okay we're in Fayetteville now and it's like oh oh wow where'd this come from uh so it was a little bit different then I think it's better now but yeah that area is better than Waco I'm sorry man and maybe it's because I don't know a whole lot about the area but Waco sucks the traffic through the middle of that town with I-35 right now is a nightmare because, uh, you know, who could have guessed this? Construction going on on I-35 right down the middle of, of Waco in the busiest part of town. And then all you ever – and maybe it's just out-of-towners. All they talk about is that – I don't even know the name of the show. The two, like, fixer-uppers or whatever, and I yes. guess there's, like, antique furniture down there. Wow, what a draw for college football players. What is huh. that show called? I, I know who you're is talking it, about. It's like Chip and Joanna. Is it like Flip flip a House or something like that? I don't know. Fixer Upper. Welcome home. Fixer Upper. Okay, Fixer Upper. Now, you want to talk about something great? You start doing Fixer Uppers for the football players that are moving off campus. Now, there's your tie-in for an NIL deal, right? Just giving out uh, fixed-up, crappy houses that they turned into nice ones. Which That's uh, what they should do. Is this true, what I'm reading, that the Magnolia Network pulled the show after the homeowner's complaint of nightmare renovations? Well, you know, I've always wondered about this. They buy a, a formerly junky house, and then they, within like four days, like uproot it and turn it into something really nice. It's like slapping paint on, covering up things, like doing it as fast and as cheap as possible. It's not shocking that some of the renovations were a nightmare. I can imagine. And I also see how they... Say, we bought this house for $180,000, and after renovations, it will now sell for $400,000. It's like, wait a second. Is it just because like, the TV show did it? Because there's no way the value of that home went up that much. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Waco, there you go. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number one next here from Chapel Supply and Equipment, 405 495 1722. Closing up our number one, it's the rush here with you. Life will return to a form of normalcy tomorrow as one Tyler McComas will return. If you're missing your, what is it, machine gun McComas? If you're missing your machine gun McComas hot takes, they shall return tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Josh Elmer hanging out with Teddy Lehman. Our number one of the rush, it's brought to you by the Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers. Did this, uh, it didn't break until this weekend, I don't think, right? That Mario Williams made it official with USC? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was this weekend. I don't think we talked about that Friday. What, what do you make of that? I mean, kind of what we expected. We we feel like Mario Williams and Caleb Williams are both going to wind up there. That's obviously, for Lincoln Riley, trying to turn that thing around, that's, uh, I would say, a significant get heading into next season. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's It's significant. 
that's big for them. Now, I don't know what's on their their roster at wide receiver. Um, in my experience, wide receiver is a – how do I say this without offending wide receivers? Because I really don't – I don't mean to minimize the position. But in the right system with a good quarterback – like good good offensive line, a good scheme. Why there's there's less separation before between wide receivers than we're kind of led to believe. You know what I'm does that make sense? I if you insert um you insert the top wide receiver at you know most power 5 schools and put him in an elite offense, he's going to have fantastic numbers. So sometimes it's kind of hard to, to tell the difference between some of those guys. Um, I I think he's I think he's good. He was just a true freshman. Um, I thought he I thought he I was expecting a bigger year from him, but that may not necessarily be have been his fault. It, we were kind of we we're kind of down everywhere, um, so to speak. So, but I, that is big for them. Um, familiarity with the system for sure. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two is next. Hanging out chapel supply and equipment today. Bunch of great deals going on on these pressure washers. All different sizes starting with a 3100 PSI for only 425. Rush is back. Hour number two. What is this? Is this 80s? Who is that? Are you kidding me? Come on. It's Eddie Money. Woo. I like it. Throwing Which, it back a little bit today. Somebody, not to cut you off, Teddy, somebody texted us and said, hey, this show this show needs a little hip-hop mixed in. So I, I texted back, hey, feel free to, as long as there's not you know a bunch of F-bombs or this or that, please, I, I'm open to those suggestions. Yeah, give us a request. Give us a request. Um, now we typically do that on Wednesday, but since you want to hear something, put it out there. Um, this is amazing. Trent Williams, former University of Oklahoma football player, first round draft pick. Was he number three? Let's see. Sam was number one. Um, what was McCool? How'd that go? Because we had three in the top five, right? Was he like number four or five that year? Yeah, it, Jermaine Gresham, right, was right around there too. Is that who it was, or was it Gerald McCoy? I can't remember. Oh yeah, you God. might be right. I think it, I thought they went like one, two, and five or something like that. Anyways, Trent Williams has been in the league for what fourteen years, I believe. Um, no, it's not that much, 12 or 13 years. Point is, I'm screwing this up. That was the first playoff win in his entire career, and he's the best tackle in the NFL and has been for several years now. That's crazy, right? That, and that's how hard it is to win in the NFL. You can have, you can have a a team that's got, you know, a player or a couple of players that are the best in the entire league at their position and 
you can't get a playoff win. Uh, wild. So, and awesome for him. Well deserved, no doubt. Yeah, he's an absolute beast. Not only is he like just technically proficient and and keeps a keeps him off the quarterback, but he punishes guys. Man, he is an animal out there. He's he's for watching a uh, a left tackle. He's as he's as fun as it is to watch a left tackle play football. A lot of times it can be boring because there's not a whole lot of highlights there. They just keep their guy from making a play. But he buries guys, man. It's amazing watching him listen, go. Listen to the top five in this 2010 NFL draft, which, you know, some out there, we're probably it's a little too close to the situation maybe for us uh, mm-hmm. to – a lot of people would not define Sam Bradford's career as a success, right? Too injury prone for a number one overall draft pick. It's hard well, for me. You know what Sam's biggest problem is? That he is the last guy to sign the huge um, first round pick before they, the number one overall before they started assigning like an, an allotted. Scaling, yeah, amounts. Yeah, scaling it. And since he made that huge deal, that massive contract, everyone's always held that against him. He's like, I don't know that there's any other player in the NFL that's been talked about how much they make and whether or not they were worth it more than Sam Bradford. And frankly, I think it's unfair. Well, and that contract that you're talking about is the number one reason for me why I look at Sam Bradford's career and the longevity of it, the play when he was healthy, and then the play that couldn't happen when he was unhealthy. Forget about Mm -hmm. that. The fact that he got that contract as the number one overall draft pick, I would define that as a successful NFL career if I'm Sam Bradford. But listen to the rest of this top five. Indomitian Sue was selected number two overall. You were right. Gerald McCoy, third. Trent Williams, fourth. And... Eric Berry, who was a great player in Kansas City, was fifth. Russell Okung was uh, sixth in that draft. Wow. Uh, yeah. Dang. That is a that's – a, that's a nice little top six there. Uh, Okung, he just retired, didn't he? Like this this last season or something, I believe? Yeah. Maybe? S- seems like reason- reasonably uh, not too uh, long ago. And Sue is still playing really good football. Uh, right now, so that's a that's a nice little top six there. So now I saw that and I was uh, I was really happy for him. And that game was crazy. A bit of a throwback, seeing the Cowboys 49ers playing in the playoffs. Uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, wow. Only the doubt. Which here's the thing, and I, and I feel like this has kind of been lost in. The whole situation. Dallas flat out just did not play good football for the entirety of the football game. But somehow, miraculously at the end, despite a bunch of mistakes, they found themselves with an opportunity to maybe have something miraculous happen. And that last play where they run a draw with no tight end, uh, with no timeouts, and the officials late getting up there, which you, you never should leave it up to the official trying to get there to, to spot the football when you got no timeouts. Just it was a massive unnecessary risk. It's your entire season, 
and you're banking on an official getting up there, not fumbling the ball around and getting it spotted, no way you should have uh, have ran that play. But they still had a chance, right? And it's just it's amazing sometimes or a lot of the time watching the Dallas Cowboys and they are the gift that keeps on giving, man. I'm telling you, it is they're entertaining whether they win or lose. It's it's fantastic television, man. 14 penalties for the Cowboys in that game and obviously a couple and a lot of them late. Big ones late that oh, were the Gallimore massive. penalty was just so hard to watch. It's crazy, man. Um yeah, uh, that was wild. But happy that that Trent Williams got a dub. Um, Kittle, obviously, Norman Kidd uh, for a bit. Whoo! I thought he fumbled that. I, I was, man, that was wild. Uh, whenever you go back and the gr- ball hits the ground before he he took off running with it, but man, that little exchange there. Was wild. I Credit totally to forgot about for, that play. Yeah, that was. Yeah, it, it looked for a moment that that was going to be a massive play in the game. Where if, which it was a clear incompletion, there was no doubt about it. But if he had caught it and then turned and fumbled it, what Dallas was going to have the football at like the thirty-five or something like that of San Francisco. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that the end of that game was was wild, but the Cowboys, frankly, didn't even deserve to be where they were. Fourteen penalties, couldn't run the ball, couldn't protect the quarterback, uh, were inefficient in the passing game. It just it wasn't wasn't a good showing uh, by the Cowboys. So, but I did love that it ended in. Uh, I guess not necessarily controversy, but in a play that everyone's like, oh, my God, what are we doing here? What just happened? That was nuts, man. In in the city of Dallas, it might have ended in a controversial way for the future of that coaching (laughs) staff and Mike McCarthy. And, you know, Kellen Moore is somebody that has gotten a lot of praise heaped on him at times for being this uh, whiz kid offensive coordinator. And I just, to me – how you end up in a situation where you're running a quarterback draw there. I get it. If you pull up five yards sooner and and slide down there, you probably get the chance to clock the football. Or if Dak Prescott hands the football to the official instead of his center, yeah, you maybe end up with one second there. I just – they did such a good job, Teddy, of running the sideline routes. The little play where they lateraled it back and got right to the sideline. It was so well executed on that drive. Even after Gallimore's costly penalty, they had a chance. You would set yeah. it up where you're going to have a heave to the end zone and to ruin all of that by calling a quarterback draw, which is exactly what San Francisco wanted you to do. Any type of run play was just – it was crazy. It was unbelievable that they would do that. I know. You're on the 40-yard line. You've already got a a throw to the end zone. Run another sideline route. There's there's no reason to even mess with that. It's crazy, man. Crazy. But, hey, um, you live and you learn, right? As, as long as you learn from that, it, it's – listen, the NFL is 
especially in the playoffs, a lot of tight games. It shows how situational football is and how the best teams are situationally aware of the clock, of where you are on the field, of how many timeouts are left, of the nuance of some of the different rules. Like It's all situations, man. Football is all situations, and the teams that understand that are well-versed in it are uh, well rehearsed in it can capitalize i mean go back to the the fake punt they run a brilliant fake punt and what they're trying to do would work if san francisco wasn't in punt safe they tried to keep the punt team out there to try and force the the defense to not be able to substitute, and if you've got another play there and you're going to try and get some cheap yards or force them to use a timeout so they can get the right personnel out there. But they were in punt safe. And you screw around by trying to get cute, and you end up costing yourself five yards, taking a delay a game, and you're you're behind the chains. Well. Like, and it's all totally of the time on the clock, unnecessary. All of the time on the clock that ultimately gets right. wasted as well. You think 40 about seconds. that at the end of the game, forty seconds. That's a big forty seconds, man. Are you yeah. kidding me? It's totally unnecessary to do all of that. There's, there's no reason. There's a time and a place to try and 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 get cute with some of that stuff. You hit him on a fake punt, converted it, like. You're playing with with house money, man. Get out of there while you got it. Wild. Just wild. And at the end of it, man, with the penalties, undisciplined football, and a couple of situations like that down the stretch that look like they're not a well-coached team, I mean, that ends up falling right right in McCarthy's lap. What do you think they do? You think he's done? I I don't think so, no. I think he's going to be back. Uh, I'm not saying whether or not that's right or wrong, but I'm going to be surprised if he's let go just following that playoff game. I I think he'll be back. Could be dead wrong on that. I think the larger question for me is, what what do you take away from this game as it pertains to Dak Prescott? Lost in translation, you know, did a great job outside of the quarterback draw play right there. He, He did a great job to get them into position, but before that, Teddy... You had the opportunity for the game-winning drive right before it in the playoffs, and that's where you earn the $40 million-plus contract. That's where you're respected as one of these elite franchise quarterbacks is you had the football in your hands. And I know he makes a a great off-balance throw that the receiver just doesn't quite catch on fourth down. It's, It's all of the plays before that, whatever. It didn't happen. You failed. And then we see the quarterback draw late. And everything else that transpired before it, why is the first half so poor offensively for the Dallas Cowboys? Is Dak Prescott a guy that can win this franchise a Super Bowl? I think you leave that game and you feel even murkier about that question than before. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm kind of of the um, – I didn't think he got a whole heck of a lot of help from his wideouts. You know, that interception he threw in the second half, 
I thought was a crappy route by the wide receiver. Like, he kind of gave up on it whenever he came out of his break. Uh, it, it wasn't a great throw, but I just I didn't feel like he had a whole heck of a lot of help. They couldn't run the ball worth a flip, right? Um, it, the offensive line kept getting beat. I think he was sacked like six times. He just, I didn't think he had a whole heck of a lot of help, man. But, admittedly, he wasn't great, but he's he's way better than replacement. I don't know, you're not going to be able to draft a guy or or go find someone on the market in order to get them in. I guess, I I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't imagine that that you'd be able, uh, I think he's, I think he's top ten guy. Am I am I giving him too much credit? I need to see him start beating some good teams, man. To me, yeah, that's true. To me, that was so disappointing for him. And I know that you're right. There were times where he wasn't helped out a whole heck of a lot. But like Patrick Mahomes gets a break, right, for what happened in the Super Bowl versus Tom Brady and the Buccaneers because guess what? He won the Super Bowl the year before. So he's not going to get blasted for the 31-9 to loss in the Super Bowl. But Dak Prescott doesn't have that to fall back on right now. He needs one of these big playoff wins. He needs a run like this with Dallas. And to be totally honest with you, I really maybe, – maybe I'm an idiot. Clearly it looks that way coming out of the loss to San Francisco – I really thought this Dallas team was poised to make that type of potential run into the NFC Championship game, and instead they lose at home to San Francisco. Yeah. You know what's crazy? And everyone's going to say, well, yeah, who cares? Um, statistics don't mean anything. What, what happens when you get in the playoffs? But, you know, Dak Prescott threw for a – Better completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes, 68.8 compared to 66.3. He threw for almost Mahomes is 284 yards a game. Prescott is 278. So six yards a game difference between them, almost the exact same. They threw the exact same amount of touchdowns, 37 touchdowns apiece. Mahomes threw for 13 interceptions compared to 10 for Dak Prescott. Prescott's got a better quarterback rating and a better uh, QBR. It's well, no, the QBR is not better, but his his quarterback rating is better. So it's just interesting, right? Like statistically, very comparable. As quarterbacks, but the two football teams aren't even close. Well, and the and playoff I, results aren't the same. That, that's what I'm saying. Well, there's no doubt. Like the the playoff results aren't the same. But you know, here's the other part. Mahomes Mahomes is uh, a better playmaker than Dak Prescott is, but he's also got way better playmakers around him than Prescott does. A way more consistent team and. A, a way better coached team. Like, Kansas City wins a lot of games because they're coached well. They're good situationally whenever it comes to some of these things. We saw Dallas, like, totally spit the bit on yesterday, right? They don't make those type of mistakes uh, in the playoffs or in 
in critical areas of the football game, not nearly as often as, as Dallas does. So, you know, but not, not is, since our man lined up for uh, offsides in the AFC championship game anyways. Oh, my gosh. That was great. Uh, Patriots really beat them in every way, shape, or form that day. Totally earned that win. Right? We all have to agree on that. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think everybody would agree with that. And everyone's like hammering the Patriots because of the loss to the Bills, but it's just what it really is is forward thinking by Belichick. It's like, hey, guys, listen. Let's lose in the first round bad this year, and that way next year we're not we're we're going to be able to sneak up and surprise some people, right? No one's going to take us seriously. It's forward thinking. It's actually really smart by Belichick and the guys. It, it's next level coaching. I think most people feel like mm-hmm. by Belichick to go ahead and rope a dope everybody for the twenty twenty two season. No question. Right. That's why. That's why they became the He's first the best man, best defense. First defense to allow seven consecutive touchdown drives in a playoff game. Well, if that doesn't prove that they did it on purpose, I don't know what does. Okay, that was you, come on. You read this over the weekend, though, right? And th- this is not anything specific about the Patriots. This is just the Bills. That was the first playoff game that a team scored a touchdown on every single offensive possession except the last one. They didn't punt they didn't attempt a field goal they didn't make or attempt a field goal or punt and scored a touchdown on every drive except for the last one when they knelt the clock out amazing amazing performance uh our boy josh allen was on one he had an unbelievable game buffalo is that they're tough man they're gonna be they're gonna be tough to get out let's see um I haven't even looked at it yet to see what the next next week's uh, matchups are going to be. Where are they going? They're coming they to Kansas to... City. Yeah, it's an Woo! AFC champ rematch from last season. Okay. How do you feel about it? Uh, I mean, not great as a Chiefs fan. I think it's going to be <laughs> one heck of a game. I would uh, – maybe this is the emotional thing. I would pick Buffalo in the game. I, I just – something – Something feels like it's trending that way for me, though. It is an arrowhead, and Kansas City beat this team in the AFC Championship game last season. So, I don't know. It's hard for me to pick it. It's too close. Too close to home for me. 21 of 25 for 308, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Whoo! That is a game. Oh, and by the way, uh, six rushing attempts for 66 yards with a long of 26. That's a football game, boys. In uh, In the NFL playoffs. In a game that what? We said going in it was going to be like five degrees. Yeah, that's right. Really cold. And whenever you get the uh, Bills Mafia to start throwing some surprises out on the field, that means you're playing well. You got to love it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on here from Chapel Supply and Equipment. Remember, they've got the 3,100 PSI gas pressure washers here, only 425. The 4,000 PSI pressure washers, only 1295. And they've got the the new product in for your spring projects, 5, 10, and 20-gallon silent run oilless air compressors starting at just $7.49. Tons of great deal. They can service absolutely everything here as well. Chapel Supply, 405-495-1722.
Hour number two, it's The Rush. We're back with you. Ref Sports Radio Network. He is Teddy Lehman. I'm Josh Elmer. Hour number two of The Rush, of course, it's brought to you by Cavens Construction, 405-573-3048. Or for our Tulsa friends, call 918-282-7612, cavensconstruction.com. This came in last segment. Dallas versus New England Super Bowl next year confirmed. They've both uh, wow. rope-a-dope their way in. Wow. Yep. Smart. No reason to take any serious injuries this year. Um, smart. Next-level thinking. Got to love it. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, though, man. I know they got thumped by the Bills, but – I think you do have to give some credit to Mac Jones as a rookie and what he did with New England this year. It's pretty impressive. A bunch of people letting us know. Uh, just we were talking about that 2010 NFL draft where Bradford was one, and uh, both Trent Williams and Gerald McCoy were really high in that draft. And actually, I, I, Jermaine Gresham I think went 18th. But anyways, yeah. nine first rounders from the Big 12 that year, Teddy. Four from Oklahoma. Just crazy. Wow. That is crazy. Um, And I guess you got what? um, Who the 49ers play? Do they play Tampa? No, they're going to go to Green Bay. And I'll pick Green Bay because it's in Green Bay and – They've been the best team in the NFC, but I expect San Francisco to do what they did yesterday to the Cowboys. I expect them to give Green Bay a game. Don't you? Uh, Yeah, I do. Um, now, I think, it will, I think it will depend big time on what the weather looks like. That is a massive advantage for the Green Bay Packers whenever – they get bad weather, and you get teams that are, like, they just played in a dome, right? They're a West Coast team. Weather is almost always good. The whole division is, you know, Seattle can be bad at times, but it's not anything close to what Green Bay is. Vegas is in, uh, or, uh, excuse me, the Rams are in the dome. The Cardinals are in the dome. So whenever you go, all of a sudden you're going to Green Bay, that can be that can be very difficult. So we'll see. 2021 Sooners and the Dallas Cowboys. couple of uh, twin underachievers. That's not yeah. me saying that. That's via the text line, by the way. As of right now, 16 degrees in uh, Green Bay for next year next week's perfect game. perfect weather we need some snow too yep. i know it says clear skies but that can uh that can always change hopefully uh mccarthy it. is fired and jerry hires mule shoe a bunch of people yeah are pulling for lincoln to wind up in a situation where he ends up taking one of these nfl jobs i don't know hmm Do, do, are, are you in the camp that thinks the NFL wants Lincoln Riley? I think there's a chance, yeah. 
I, I do, especially if the move's made with McCarthy. It seems like Jerry Jones was interested in Lincoln Riley in the past. Now, it's always tough to know. Is is that an agent trying to get a message out there through some different sourcing? I'm not I – w- I wouldn't claim to be connected enough on the Dallas front to report one way or the other, but it feels like there's some serious interest in NFL circles for Lincoln Riley. Again, how much of that is Lincoln Riley's representation passing that message along to people? I don't know. I'll say this, though. If Dallas opens up with Dak Prescott, we do – we feel like we know, right, that Lincoln Riley, if he were to take an NFL job, Dallas would be right toward the top of the list for where he would like to coach at. And if that opens up and if Arizona loses tonight and maybe all of a sudden Cliff Kingsbury's on the ouster in Arizona, you're telling me that Dak Prescott as a quarterback or Kyler Murray as a quarterback, now all of a sudden that's maybe an intriguing destination to start off in the NFL at. Not saying it happens, just saying if I was Lincoln Riley, that would be interesting to me. There's no way Kingsbury's going to get fired, right? I mean, there's how could they fire a guy that um, took the Cardinals to the playoffs? Um, you know, they've had some injury issues down the stretch. They haven't closed the season off great. But from where they were when he took over that job, I'd say he's done a, uh, a really good good job there turning that place around now they're also in an incredibly difficult division um the dallas thing with lincoln riley is interesting you know i know lincoln's got a he's got a really good track record with quarterbacks you know the nfl has adopted a lot of the collegiate style offenses there's there's a bunch of teams out there that that run those systems, but I I just I don't know, man. Who, who what type of staff is he going to put together? He's got he's never he has zero experience in the NFL, none. At least even Kingsbury was on staff at the Patriots for at least a little bit, you know, and played in the league and understands. You know some of the some of the nuances of the league. I mean, I, I know Lincoln's a smart guy and he can figure out the differences, but I don't know, man. And I think the biggest thing, and I don't know this, admittedly, I don't know, and maybe someone out there does, and they can text us. He's got to have a a massive buyout on his contract, and maybe that buyout doesn't start until he coaches a game or until. You know, that fall semester, I, I don't know when that clock starts ticking and that buyout is is live. Maybe it is right now as soon as he signed it. I don't know, but I, I, if if that buyout is in play, Link, it's non-starter. Lincoln Riley's not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't, see, I don't see it being super realistic either. I do think that Lincoln would definitely be interested in Dallas – and, you know, like Arizona with Kyler, if that happens, you're probably right. No chance, even if they get smacked tonight, that all of a sudden magically Cliff is out. But under the scenario that that happens, I think if I'm Lincoln Riley and they're interested in me, I'm having a conversation. But probably there's not a whole lot to that. I'd love to see it, though. I agree with the text line. Nothing would make me happier than Colin Cowherd having to look like a complete idiot after Lincoln Riley never even coaches a game down there. 
Yeah. Here's the thing, though, man. Here's why I don't want him to get one of those jobs. He already caused a lot of turmoil in a lot of those coaches' lives, man. The guys that are coaching out at USC with Lincoln Riley, none of them, zero of those guys want to be at USC over Oklahoma. None of them. So they were forced into a bad situation where they didn't have any options. That's where you go where the job is, right? And they had to move from, you know, uh, from Oklahoma out to California, which, you know, some people might like. I don't know that whenever you're taking a job that's going to pay the same and, and you move to a place that has a cost of living that is exponentially higher than Oklahoma, it's, it's actually a lot of those guys took a pay decrease going out to USC. That's not where they want to be. And if he just flips around, turns around, and takes another job in the NFL, right, those guys, unless, like, Grinch gets the head coaching job at USC, right, those guys, I don't know what they would do. Because right, for the defensive staff, like Grinch and company, they're not going to coach in the NFL. No. So like, that's the – that's the the reason, like, I don't want to see him take something else and, and go Hang everybody go somewhere out to without... dry, yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's a good point. It's already happened once. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd hate for those guys to have to go through that again. Now, maybe after one year, okay? Uh, one year and then out, okay, now we can talk. But I don't even know if anyone's moved their furniture out there yet. So... I don't know. Somebody wanted we'll see what uh, happens with it, though. Somebody wanted you to comment, and maybe we can do this next segment when we come back. Somebody wanted you to comment on the inadvertent whistle in the uh, Raiders game and what you thought about it. Okay, perfect. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on next. Stay with us. Rush is back. Hour number two rolls on. Hanging out at Chapel Supply and Equipment, 6509 West Reno. 405-495-1722, pressure washers, generators, uh, air compressors, all kinds of really cool stuff here and great prices as well. Right now, 3,100 PSI gas pressure washer, only 425, 4,000 PSI gas pressure washer, 1295. They got the new product just in time for all the spring projects, 510 and 20-gallon silent run, oilless air compressor starting at 749. Chapel Supply now also has 2,000-watt to 15,000-watt generators and inverters. They're in stock. I was just walking around over the break, checking some of them out. Uh, also, if you break a hydraulic hose, uh, pressure washer hose, or air hose, Chapel Supply can fix it up really quick while you wait. And uh, they also service absolutely everything that they sell and all other brands as well. Uh, even if Chapel Supply didn't make it, it's not their brand, bring it in. They can get you fixed up. 405-495-1722. Before we hit a couple of things that that caught my eye, you had someone on the text line wanting me to comment. What was it on? It was on the Raiders-Bengals game. Remember the touchdown the Bengals scored, and I guess there was an inadvertent whistle? Right. Yeah, um, inadvertent whistle. 
I guess the official on the sideline thought Burrow was, was going to be out of bounds or was out of bounds before he threw the pass. Here's the thing. The official shouldn't have blown the whistle, but there's like a tenth of a second from the whistle and when the guy catches the ball. I don't think it ended up having – I'm probably the outlier here. I don't think it had an impact on the game or on the play at all. Um I feel like the guy was already open, and the whistle happened seriously a tenth of a second before he caught the ball. If the whistle hadn't blown, I don't think the result would have been any different. Did you see it differently than I did? Well, so I was broadcasting hockey this weekend and watching the game. I had no idea that that even took place, to be honest with you. I didn't catch a lot of the the talk shows this morning, and – you know, wasn't living on social media. I I didn't even know there was an inadvertent whistle until this morning, so it's kind of tough for me to comment on it. But that's what everybody has said is that it really didn't probably have much impact on the play. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I guess you never know, and the official should not have blown the, the whistle. Um, obviously, the win in doubt, let it play out, okay? When in doubt, let it play out. You can always go back and take a look at the toe and see if it was out of bounds and rule the play, uh, you know, dead right there at the spot, okay? You can always do that. So anytime it's close like that, how many times do we have to see this for these officials to let it all play out, right? It's just – now, this wasn't a ball bouncing around that someone scooped up and they blew it dead, uh, saying it was an incomplete pass whenever – you know, replay reveals that it was a fumble and it should have been a touchdown the other way. It wasn't it wasn't that bad, but just let it play out, guys. That's that's how this thing has to go. You gotta let those those close ones like that play out. Um just a couple of things here. I I guess with the heightened tension in the NFL now that we're in the playoffs, um the fan fights were bad this weekend, Josh. Uh, Cowboys fans and 49ers fans got into it. Um, Dallas fans actually beat each other up uh, at one point with their game. And Buccaneers fans and Eagles fans got into it. It's the it's the weirdest thing. And I guess it's not weird. Everyone's drinking. But why doesn't it happen nearly as much in college as it does in the NFL? Is it because of the mix of fans isn't ever as, as big? It's a good question. Yeah, you've got the passion for the school. I, I, I don't know. I, that's, a, that's a good question. Families seem like they're more often involved for college games, I guess, than maybe you would traditionally see at every single NFL game. You get a lot of, hey, we've been out tailgating all day for NFL games, and eventually – we're going to throw hands, and that's almost every week at an NFL game. Chiefs Raiders, you're definitely getting that somewhere in the stadium. And in a playoff game, 49ers Cowboys, yeah, you're getting it You're getting it there too. Yep. Um, and a couple of things before we hit a break. Uh, we hadn't mentioned this yet. I think I heard you guys, you and Plank, talking about it earlier. Crimson backer Christian Harris says – He's headed to the NFL. Uh, that's a big one for them. A lot of people expected that. And um, 
Georgia is um, they've got a losing, knee. Yeah, well, yeah, not losing, getting Nolan Smith back. He's coming back for his senior se- season, which uh, really good pass rusher for them. He was uh, he was a former massive recruit and probably could have been a, a pretty decent draft pick there, but he's coming back. That's big time. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap up hour number two here from Chapel Supply and Equipment. Closing up hour number two of The Rush. Hour number two. It's brought to you by Cavens Construction, CavensConstruction.com, where you can check them out. He is Teddy Lehman. I am Josh Helmer. Just a couple of minutes here before the top of the hour. Uh, a bunch of people have sent the tweet along that Ahmad Moten sent out, which was just, uh, I don't know, the North Carolina mascot. I, I don't know what that means other than I, I don't think it's a commitment to North Carolina. Ahmad Moten has been a defensive lineman that for a while it's been thought he's going to end up, class of 2022 guy, has been thought that he's going to end up at OU. I know Parker said earlier this afternoon during our hour, hour, hour together on Locked In that he thinks Miami is going to be a late charger for Moten and uh, maybe Mason Young as well, but uh, that's something that's out there. I don't know that it's particularly <laughs> newsworthy, but – that's uh, something that happened with Oklahoma football news. Uh, what about OU basketball this weekend, Ted? Did you watch any of Oklahoma TCU? I know there's a bunch of NFL stuff going on. Uh, Big loss, though. It was, it was, it was kind of frustrating there at the end of overtime. Um, felt like they had the thing there and lose the guy defensively, leave him wide open in the corner. Hits the three, but you go down, get a really nice take by Harkless, and you foul, and they miss the the front end, and you got the ball. Here we go. You got an opportunity to go win the basketball game, and we couldn't get one off, man. Couldn't get a a good look off uh, for the win, but I, I <laughs> judging by how – Intensely, he's coached. I feel like Porter Moser is going to be really upset with the way they lost that guy in that rotation uh, for the corner three. Now Kansas and Baylor up next, Teddy. It's like, congratulations for losing to TCU. Now you get KU and Baylor. And Baylor, by the way, has lost two straight. Yeah. I was about to say, it's like, who knows what you're going to get in this conference. Every single game is going to be tough, whether you're playing a a top ten opponent or – one of the bottom dwellers. Anyone could win, it looks like right now. This this thing's going to be a grind. All right, quick timeout. we got the final hour coming up next here from Chapel Supply and Equipment. Stay with us. Rush is back. Final hour. Teddy Lehman here. Josh Helmer in studio. Final day filling in for Tyler McComas. Uh, I'm hanging out at Chapel Supply and Equipment. And check them out online, chapelsupply.com. Uh, they've got a bunch of great deals. They've got the 3,100 PSI gas pressure washers for just 425, 4,000 PSI gas pressure washers, 1295. Uh, they've got the new Silent Run air compressor starting at 749, 
Also got 2,000 watt to 15,000 watt generators and inverters in stock right now, and they do have them in stock. I've been checking them out here on the showroom floor. 405-495-1722. We were talking over the break about, you know, we've, we've been hitting the the new staff changes, what's gone on in recruiting and transfer portal, both uh, guys departing and incoming. But we haven't really talked much about the future and what to really expect from this team moving forward. And I think that's, I think that's uh, ultimately what everyone is going to care about at some point whenever we get the, uh, the roster set. I'll tell you, Josh, my expectations for this team are not at all different from what they would have been before. Now, in the long run, my expectations are higher. In the short term, meaning next season, first season under Venables, I fully expect Oklahoma to win the Big 12 and have an opportunity to make the college football playoff. Now, um, I think the, the, the schedule lines up for them really well. Non-conference is uh, very manageable. The Nebraska game, I think, um, is an interesting one. We'll see what we get from, from the new-look offense there at Nebraska. We know they can play defense there. But aside from that, uh, non-conference is manageable. And I think the the rest of the league probably is going to take a step back overall. Now, I think there's a chance Texas is quite a bit better. Um, I think there's a chance that Baylor is still very formidable. But Oklahoma State, I think, is going to take a bit of a step back. I think Iowa State is going to take a bit of a step back. Kansas State's going to be someone to watch. Yeah, they'll probably take but, a, I mean, easy to say – well, you say they'll take a step forward. It's hard to know with Adrian yeah. Martinez coming in. Yeah, so um, I, uh, I I expect us to win the Big 12. I, I mean, there's I'm not going to give a bunch of leeway to say, well, it's Venable's first year. We still have the best. We're going to have the best roster in the conference. We've got a great coaching staff. Everything is still there to go out and win this conference. And if you handle your business, don't slip up anywhere. You could have a chance, be a one-loss team, and, and have an opportunity at a playoff spot. Yeah, I think the expectation is going to be you got to win the league next year. If this is the final go-around in the Big 12 conference, you got to win this thing one final time. Right. Whether or not Jackson Dart – and Michael Trigg end up in Norman, you've got a proven starting quarterback in Dylan Gabriel that has thrown for over 8,000 yards, 70 touchdowns in his career, is familiar with your offensive coordinator, your new offensive coordinator and Jeff Levy. Those two had a ton of success together and had that success together when Dylan Gabriel was, what, a true freshman? So the idea would be that the expectation would be you should be able to have even more success than you did back then. And, oh, by the way, this league, as you mentioned, Oklahoma State, you would think because of what they're losing defensively, they should take a step backwards. Baylor, they have had some significant losses. 
uh, as compared to this past season. So the Big 12, defending Big 12 champion, shouldn't necessarily be as good, we don't think. Going in, though, I would say Baylor probably your chief competition in this thing going into next season as I look at it on paper. And then everybody else, I mean, Kansas State, I love that they have Deuce Vaughn, but I'm not sold on Adrian Martinez. I like that he's going to have Deuce Vaughn with him. I like what I saw, you know, from Colin Klein calling plays, but that was with Skylar Thompson in the bowl game. So I think Kansas State's an intriguing dark horse type candidate in the conference. But from where I'm sitting, Oklahoma is the clear-cut favorite going into this thing next season, and the expectation should be to win it. Though I would say the thought that we had going into this season that, hey, Oklahoma – and remember – that was a popular thought out there. We had people picking right. OU to win the national championship before this last season. National analysts picking OU to do that. I'm not coming into next season with any of those types of expectations. A college football playoff berth would be fantastic in year one for Brent Venables. Uh, I'm not expecting a college football playoff win or national championship next season. To me, that's unrealistic. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and we talked about Oklahoma – and why they're like the reason I was saying that this is going to this season, this I guess this past season was going to be their best opportunity at a championship was more so about the landscape of the rest of the uh, of, of college football. And that ultimately ended up playing out. Michigan made it, Cincinnati made it, Georgia won it with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Like the the lack of quarterback guys coming back that top play, and I know Alabama ended up having a guy win the the Heisman, but like that was that was why I thought Oklahoma was going to have a chance. But obviously, we couldn't get it done. Uh, next year is going to be different. You're going to have C.J. Stroud coming in uh, off of a great season, uh, off of a freshman campaign. Bryce Young, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at Alabama, is back. Um, Georgia's going to lose some guys defensively, but they've still got an incredibly packed roster, and we'll see what happens there at quarterback. I mean, they've got a they've got a quarterback room that is full of super talented guys. We'll see if any of them can ever beat Stetson Bennett out, but um, things are going to get more difficult this coming season, in my opinion. Um, but We'll see what happens with Oklahoma defensively. I I expect Venables to turn around Oklahoma's defense. But I don't expect him to have a a top ten defense in year one. I won't take it off the board. I won't say that it's not possible. I think it could be, especially depending on on what the, the transfer portal continues to show us. But it's going to take a while to turn this defense into an elite unit. But I think it can happen. And I think one of the things that's really going to change is the fact that you do have a defensive-minded head coach that is going to be a little bit more – and I I do think Lincoln did somewhat change his approach over the last couple of years trying to help his defense out. But – I think we can get there. I just think it's going to take some time. So, yeah, my expectation right out of the gates go in the Big 12. Uh, sorry, that's just kind of how it is around here, man. That's that's what the expectations are. Not They're not going to change. 
If you were in the Big Ten or the SEC, what would the expectations for this team be? That's probably a better barometer. What if you were in those two conferences? What would the expectation be? Let's if, let's if just we were, since, since the since Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC sooner rather than later. Let's let's do that. If you're in the SEC West, reasonable expectations for next year's Oklahoma team. Um, I think we are. I think we're better than A and M. I think we are better than LSU. I think we are better than. Arkansas, um, I think we are – I think we'd be – I think we'd be number two. Am I – am I – is that too high? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out, how we feel about the personnel going into next season on this roster. I I think every year at Oklahoma you should feel like – You've got a chance to be competitive with the Alabamas, Georgias of the world. If not winning the SEC West and playing in an SEC championship game, that's got to be the expectation. Is this program right there right now? You know, they're going to be replacing six defensive starters. So that's a lot of turnover on that side of the football. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think they'd compete well. Now, I don't know how you factor in and if you can if you can put a number on like either positive or negative what your first year in the conference is going to be like. I would probably say negative playing in a bunch of new places and I I think that in, I, you may differ from this, but I, I believe that the SEC, whenever it finally does happen, they're going to give Oklahoma a welcome to the SEC schedule and make them play a, several really tough games, maybe even on the road. I don't think it'll be just a complete murderer's row, though. And, and the reason I say that is – as much as maybe the SEC would like to do that to both Oklahoma and Texas, it's say, and the other fan bases in the conference can point and say, yeah, now you see what it's all about. The SEC has an interest. ESPN has an interest in not just totally loading up their schedules because you want to save some of those games for each and every season, right? You don't just want to have Every sure. every three or four years, all of a sudden, it's uh, a murderer's row for OU in Texas. You want to have great television games each and every season that's pretty balanced right. out throughout the conference. So I, I get what that's you're true. saying, and I agree with that, but I don't think it'll be as pronounced as maybe some people feel like. Yeah, that may be right. And the SEC, which it's a tough conference. There's no doubt about it. I'm not denying that, but they miraculously somehow make it to where their best teams have like the easiest schedule you could ever concoct out of the uh, the teams that they're given. Right? right? How in the world does Alabama 
and and Georgia play like once every 30 years or something crazy like that. I don't know. That's obviously an exaggeration, but it's not like the best of the best are sitting there slamming up against each other nonstop, right? They they have been really good at at maneuvering that thing around to where they protect their top teams uh, the best that they they possibly can. So, um, I don't know, man. I. I may be a little bit too positive on on what to expect from Oklahoma, but I don't know. I was positive on on them last year, and aside from just flat out not not playing up to their abilities, like they they should have ended ended this. They, like the ability in the roster was totally there, right? And it's not like they're. I know they they're going to lose Caleb Williams, at least in my opinion, but I I feel like Gabriel and the offense that we're going to be running is going to suit our roster just fine. I think our offense will be better next season than it was this past year. And defensively, you know, we've got more holes to fill defensively than we do offensively. Um, we've got our work cut out there, but I think we can at least. Um, match what we did a year ago. Tell me, it, it, this is sort of how I evaluate Oklahoma going into next season, if this makes sense. See if you can follow this. Big 12 champion, that, that should be the absolute expectation for OU in this conference. I think if OU was in the Pac-12, they would be the Pac-12 favorite and should win the Pac-12 championship. No in, doubt. Well, it, Utah, I think Utah's really good, and I think they're going to be really good next year, too. But, yes, you would have to make Oklahoma the favorite. ACC, I I think that you'd have a really good chance to be the favorite in that league. And my expectation would be you are right there to win that because it's going to be different for both Pittsburgh and Wake Forest next season. Uh, I think that you would be the favorite in the ACC right with Clemson. I don't think you'd be the favorite in either the Big Ten or the SEC. Ohio State going to be the favorite in the Big Ten, right? Would OU be number two? Probably so, yes. See, I feel like... Maybe Michigan? Well, what I was going to say is... I feel like Oklahoma, at least right now, I feel like the Big Ten would be more trouble for us right now than the SEC would. Is that crazy talk? The Big Ten would be more difficult than the SEC? Possibly. I mean, depending on, on what the schedule is. I Judging by what I saw in the college football playoff between Georgia and Michigan, I'm going to say I disagree. Yeah, that was not a good look, but... Yeah, that's I, – I think the, the SEC, especially this past year, and maybe I'm, I'm getting this, – this past year is, is a little bit of uh, recency bias, but I feel like across the board, the Big Ten is better on the line of scrimmage than the SEC is. Now, the SEC has – a tremendous amount of talent, but it's it's concentrated in 
just a couple of pockets. Like Alabama, Georgia on the line of scrimmage are uh, unbelievable, both sides of the ball, right? But after that, you've got some really good players scattered throughout, but A&M's got some really good players on the line of scrimmage, but, man, it wasn't that impressive to me last year. Maybe I'm just drawn too much off of last year, but in the Big Ten, Wisconsin is really good on the line of scrimmage. Uh, I know they were 3-8, and eight, but Nebraska's good on the line of scrimmage. Michigan, uh, Michigan State, not so much defensively, but offensively they were. Ohio State, Penn State, I don't know. Maybe I'm just... Uh, Maybe I'm just a little bit biased off of, like, the SEC last year, to me, Alabama and Georgia, like, ran away with the thing. Florida? Florida was was awful last year. Florida was awful. Mississippi State, I, I, they got hammered by Tech, Texas Tech. I, I, I don't know, man. Am I... Am I missing something here from last year? Am I taking too much away from some of these, some of these down down uh, the standings teams in the SEC? Maybe, maybe so. And I, I kind of look at it like this, though. And maybe I'm guilty of something that has driven us crazy for years. It's hard for me to give the nod there to the Big Ten when, even with everything that Georgia and Alabama are going to lose, those top two, to me, there's a clear difference between those top two and the top two in the Big Ten in Ohio State and Michigan, that played itself out with Michigan beating Ohio State and then what Georgia did to Michigan in the the college football playoff. So the SEC's got that from step one. And then from from there, you know, the Penn States, the Michigan States of the world, is Ole Miss going to be the same next season? No, I don't think so, minus Matt Corral. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I liked what I saw from Altmaier. In the bowl game, I think that there's a chance that he could wind up being pretty good. I like the direction that Arkansas is headed, and they've got K.J. Jefferson coming back. So, I don't know. To me, uh, SEC, See, largely, though, paper, it, uh, largely though, because of Alabama and Georgia, I think is more intimidating. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. Those two are – they're clearly on another level. But is there anyone else in the SEC – I even, even the – the team we were last year down the stretch, which was which was not great. Outside of Alabama and Georgia, who do we lose to in the SEC? I think, On paper, I mean, I know you can't play the thing out, but... I'm not convinced just, OU beats Arkansas. I'm not. Really? I'm not convinced really? they lose to Arkansas either. I think it'd be a great game, but it's hard for me to... Hard for me to feel really confident. I mean, the two good teams, really, that Oklahoma played last season, they lost to in Baylor and Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm probably giving us too much credit. But I thought the SEC – Arkansas started off really well, but I mean they totally faded down the stretch. And 
you know, some of that is injury and, and losing some guys, but, but hey, that's the nature of it. I don't know. I guess I just, I, I thought Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Iowa, it just felt like the Big Ten was a little bit deeper and the style of play is like, it's like playing Iowa State eight times. You know what I'm saying? In the Big Ten. And that's just, it's been our kryptonite. But I guess Kentucky was pretty good last year. You had, you had Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss and Kentucky were really kind of the the four teams there that were the the best of the best, and then Arkansas ended up with a, a nine and four schedule. But outside of that, like Mississippi State, A and M, Auburn, LSU, and maybe LSU being as bad as they were with a losing record is is what kind of has me uh, a little bit biased against last year. I mean, Tennessee was third in the East last year. A seven-six football team, and I think OU. I mean, OU's definitely beaten Tennessee. What about Kentucky? I think they beat Kentucky too. But it's just so hard to evaluate because, again, the two teams that were good on Oklahoma's schedule that we can definitively say were good on Oklahoma's schedule, they lost those games. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to look back and, I, yeah, we were we were we were not a good football team down the stretch. There there seemed to be a lot going on there, and ultimately there ended up being a lot going on there. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on here from Chapel Supply and Equipment. Final hour of the rush. We're back, baby few more segments to go. Still time for you to chime in with us on the text line. Hit us up the old-fashioned way. On the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, 405-329-9000. Of course, this hour, it's brought to you by the Riverwind Casino and Hotel. For tickets or to check out their events calendar, call 405-322-6464. That, my friends, it's the Riverwind Casino just south of Norman off Highway 9 and I- 35. So uh, we thought this was going to happen, but it's officially official. Trey Morrison has uh, the North Carolina transfer has committed to Oklahoma. So make that what three defensive defensive backs that OU's added. Not too shabby. Yeah, not too not too shabby at all. Uh, bolstering that that secondary, which you know that's been. That's been our biggest problem defensively over, gosh, a long time, frankly. The secondary, we just haven't been able to get over the hump there. We've had a couple of individual really good players, but haven't played as a group on the back end, uh, you know, just just outstanding in, in quite some time. And even this past season, we had – we had a couple of, of ups and downs. You know, we we pieced together some some good games, and then like Turner Yale goes out, and we totally fall apart on the back end. And we have guys that play good in stretches, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, start getting picked on and fall apart, lose confidence, and it's just kind of been a revolving door at corner. So 
Hopefully, um, new scheme, a couple of new coaches back there. Hopefully, we can can start to lock that down a little bit better, have some more consistency. And I'm not sure any of these three guys are, quote-unquote, the NFL-type talents that take Oklahoma from sort of where they've been, which is regular Big 12 champion. I know that wasn't the case this past season, but before that, what, OU had won six consecutive conference championships. You're kind of, to me, you're looking for that that first-round guy here and there in the defensive backfield, second-rounder, third-rounder, those types of talents back there. I don't know that C.J. Colden, Kanai Walker, or Trey Morrison, any of those three necessarily is that type of player for OU. I think Key Lawrence has a chance and has flashed the potential to maybe be that guy in the future, though he at times was up and down in the cornerback move for him. didn't seem to work as well as his uh, time at safety for Oklahoma. But that's to me, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And again, I don't know that any of those three guys are necessarily that for OU, but you've you have added some definite starting experience. Uh, Colden, I think, has had ten pass breakups last season. Uh, Morrison, I, I heard Parker this afternoon. I, well, I was on with him. He, he mentioned 44 starts. I think he's made. So I do. I lo- I love that part of it. Again, I'm yeah. when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking. What can take OU from where they've been to that championship type level? And I don't, I don't know that any of these three guys are that. But uh, I do love the the added depth. I love the experience that these guys bring in. No, I agree. Um, it, we'll get to a point where we've got the NFL caliber players on the back end. We'll get there. It's my belief that. The defensive recruiting is is going to take that big of a jump. In the meantime, give me give me five solid, smart, dependable players. Give me five Turner yells on the back end, right? The tackle well, that understand the defense, understand rotations, work together as a group, and We'll, we'll play some really good defense. It's the, and you heard Venables talk about this in his introductory, uh, you know, press conference. It's, and this is why he likes to play veteran guys, because you don't have the peaks and valleys. That's what, you can't have that in the secondary. You can't have a guy that plays good most of the day, but, you know, on, on 75 snaps, he plays good, solid football, but on two snaps, he misses a rotation or he jumps an underneath route and gives up two 60-yard touchdowns. You, just, you can't do that. you got to have guys that are totally dependable and you know don't always make the wow play but always make the right play. That's what you got to have. And especially starting off whenever we're trying to get this this new scheme and get to a place where we've we've really uh, dug in on recruiting, we're starting to get some of that elite talent out there. You know, and you've got to be able to put it all together. Elite talent doesn't doesn't always just lead to to playing great defense. You gotta be able to tie it all together. You gotta have the right guys, um, both mentally and physically, and I think we'll get there, but for the very for the time being, like the very near future, 
you got to have the guys that are leaning towards elite level mentally. Those guys are easier to find. But that's that's what you got to lean right now. The elite physically, those guys are harder to find, and it's hard to find them that can do everything. But for the time being, you may have to give up on some of the playmaking ability for the consistency. Have you watched much? And I, I think I know the answer to this question before I ask it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you – does it interest you at all to watch, like, the huddle film of guys that sign with Oklahoma? Yeah. Yeah, I, I usually watch some of it. Now, you got to remember their highlights, okay? It's, it's, it's You're seeing the guys at the best of the best. So you got to remember, remember that, but you can take a lot from that. How do they run? How do they move in the open field? Um, if you're talking about a receiver, a DB, what do their ball skills look like? You know, you can take some stuff from huddle film, but if you really want to know what a player is, watch an entire half of a football game and you get a much better idea. Uh, what do they do when the ball's away? What do they do? Like, how do they pursue? How hard do they play? What's their effort look like? You know, are they selecting plays that where they – you know, didn't give up plays or miss tackles or get beat. You know, the huddle, usually what they've got posted isn't the full story, right? But you can still tell quite a bit just by their good plays. Like, what is the, what does their ceiling look like? Yeah, you, you could see just raw talent. Yeah, I was just curious if there was anybody in this class that has signed with OU that really caught your eye because, I mean, we're talking a bunch of transfer portal additions and usually not necessarily that a true freshman is going to step right in and be an immediate difference maker, though I feel like defensive backfield can at times be one of the places where that can happen. And I was curious if there was anybody that has signed defensive backfield-wise with OU that you think has the type of potential that we're talking about where it's okay this guy can develop into maybe based off what i've seen on film nfl type guy um yes uh i'm trying to i'm trying to bring it up here um because i don't have i've lost some internet so i'm i'm working a little bit slower here but um who is the kid that we got from I believe it was Jinx. Oh, I know there's a couple of guys from uh, East pa- Jaden Rowe. Jaden Rowe. Yep, Union, I think. Um, I thought it was Jinx. Jaden Rowe. I like him a lot. A whole lot. Now, there's thoughts that he's not necessarily strictly going to be a defensive back either. He may play some offense. No, uh, I mean, there's there's been folks that have, you know, all over the defensive backfield that that's a possibility that actually yeah. he could add weight, maybe be a linebacker or an edge type. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's one of the things I was talking about, and you know, and I have no idea, but I just have seen the way that he moves, and he's listed at six three, two hundred and ten pounds, and he's a hundred meter guy. I. I Sky's the limit with him, in my opinion. He could be a safety. He could be a a big physical corner. 
like they could play him in a bunch of different spots. He's he's probably my favorite player in the entire class. Really? Just yeah, yeah. regardless of offense, defense. I, yep. I mean, I'd be <laughs> be surprised most years if you pick an offensive player as your favorite player in a class, which I would expect no different defensive guy. Well, um the next guy that I like after that is the Jaden Gibson wide receiver. Yeah. 6'5 wide out. I like him a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. exciting for sure. Mm-hmm. But, no, I, I ended up really liking this class and uh, was impressed. But the, the Jaden Rowe kid, as a DB at 6'3", 210 pounds, really stood out. I, I liked what I saw from him a lot. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left. On a Monday, hanging out Chapel Supply and Equipment. Stay with us. Rush is back. A couple of segments left. How weird is it to say taking you into a Monday night playoff NFL game, watching a little Kyle Murray out there. It's going to be fun. Weird that it's on a Monday, but going to be fun. A couple of segments left here at Chapel Supply and Equipment. You can check them out online, chapelsupply.com. They are hiring right now. Just clip uh, apply today to find all of the jobs that they've got available. Uh, 3,100 PSI gas pressure washers, just 425, 4,000 PSI pressure washers, 1295. They got the new product out silent run oilless air compressor starting at 749 they've got the 510 and 20 gallon units um, they've got 2000 watt all the way up to 15000 watt generators and inverters in stock those are hard to find in stock and they've got them here at chapel supply and equipment 405-495-1722 or just stop by and see us 6509 west reno josh let's hit the text line what do we got Oh, we've got all sorts of stuff on the text line, 405-651-3439. I'm not sure what OU team you were watching last year, a defensive sieve and a weak offensive line. Those big SEC teams would kill us. We'd be lucky to be 500 in the SEC West last year. Yeah, I do think I was giving us a bit too much credit for what we put out there last year but i will say this the guys that we had last season were capable of way more okay um that team was capable of way more and we're going to get way more out of a lot of those players in the future but yes i will admit i do believe my my view of what we would have done is probably a bit rosy. Let's see. Uh, you've seen tape on Jaron Canick, right? Somebody was asking. Yeah, I have. I've seen some. Kid can fly, yep. right? No, he, he, can, he can absolutely uh, smoke it. Super, super fast. Great 100 meters. Um, he looked good on offense, man. He... Uh, he ran over some kids. Just snap him the football and let him go. We may have to put a couple of uh, goal line packages in or something like that, short yardage, and 
let that kid uh, just take the football and, and take off with it. I like what I saw from him a lot. I'll tell you this, man. I like what I saw from T.D. Roof a lot. That kid, you can tell his dad is a former linebacker and a linebacker coach. He plays with great pad level, great footwork, square to the line of scrimmage, doesn't waste any movement. And whenever a guy plays like that, that takes you a lot further than anything else, man. Uh, the fact that he, he understands ball and understands like where he fits in the framework of a defense, like you can see it right away with him. I like him a lot. Two more, and then we'll take a final T.O. Do transfers count in the 2022 scholarship number? If so, how many does OU have left? Yes, they do. Uh, you can add – what what's the number? 25 per class, but you can add seven via the transfer yeah. portal. So, you know, for – up to seven from the transfer portal, past the number 25, so up to 32 if you've had seven departures. I'm not sure right. what the numbers look like right now for Oklahoma. And then uh, Kendall wants to know if you can tell us what you expect from Schmitty workout number one tomorrow. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure. You know – Whenever I came in, Schmidt had already had some decent time with the guys, and they had been through winter number two and were gearing up for summer number two. So when you've got a, a, a little bit of a base with the guys underneath you, it's, it's going to be way more difficult. So... I imagine he's going to ease into it. Probably the first thing out of the gate is they're going to get numbers on guys. They're going to test. They're going to run 40s. They're going to bench. They're going to uh, probably get some power clean numbers, height, weight, all of that stuff. So the very first thing he's probably going to do is get numbers. Now, they'll probably do some movement stuff Tuesday and Wednesday and then get numbers on Thursday or Friday. But my guess is he's going to ease into it, <laughs> Schmitty style ease into it before they uh, they drop the hammer. He's got to make sure he doesn't kill anyone out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, my guess is right out of the gate's probably not going to be the worst thing they've ever had. But it will get there in the next couple of weeks. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap it up next here from Chapel Supply and Equipment. One final time, we're back. It's the rush this hour. It's brought to you by the Riverwind Casino and Hotel. For tickets or to check out their events calendar, call 405-322-6464. One final text and then um, thoughts on Arizona and the Rams tonight. Somebody wanted to know, is, uh, is there any news on Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg? No. As we sign off tonight, there is no official news. So nothing to report there. Obviously, we'll be monitoring it tonight. Teddy, uh, what do you think? Arizona at the Rams. I'm taking the Rams. I think that uh, Stafford gets the dub. The Hopkins thing, to, to me, is the deciding factor. There's just there's too much talent on that Rams roster, man. They've got so many players defensively. Uh, they've got great skill talent on offense. Stafford coming in. Uh, he can move the football around. Gosh, Cooper Cup had an unbelievable year. 
Um, there's just too much talent, I think. Um, but we've seen Kyler Murray do some unbelievable things, and he's going to have to have a game for the ages to be able to to win it tonight. But I think you're right. I think the Rams get it done. I think it's probably a good game. Rams may separate in the fourth. Give me Rams 31-17. Okay, so winds up being a multiple score win, so not altogether super close late. Well, I think it's probably something like, I don't know, 24-17 and the Rams punch one in late to kind of force it to multiple scores. I'm thinking there's uh, points tonight. I'm going to say 37-27 Rams. Really? I'm I'm worried about them being able to protect Kyler. I, I, I fear that he'll be running for his life, which, you know, equals turnovers, equals negative yardage plays. But, hey, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to watch him, though. It's awesome that he, uh, he led that team to the playoffs. All right, that's it for us. Thank you to Chapel Supply for having us out. Remember, they're hiring. Check them out, chapelsupply.com. Click apply today to take a look at the the jobs they have available. Pressure washers. They got the new silent run air compressors here, uh, 510, 20-gallon tanks, plus 2,000-watt to 15,000-watt gener- generators, and they can absolutely service anything that you bring in here at Chapel Supply and Equipment. We'll see you guys tomorrow. We're out of here.